You're listening to The Girl Dad Show. Welcome to Season 3 of The Girl Dad Show, where we explore the intersection of parenthood and entrepreneurial spirit. Join me and some incredible guests as we share tips and tricks for finding work-life balance and making a positive impact not only on the world, but also our families. Let's create a fulfilling life together. It's The Girl Dad Show, Season 3. Dale, what's going on, brother? Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Yo, I'm excited to be here, man. Appreciate you having me. And I'm yeah, just hanging I, out, chilling yeah. on the coffee shop. I know. I see that. That's awesome. Which one are you at? Where are you at? Uh, I'm in. So I moved to East Tennessee two years ago, almost two years ago now. And I'm from Orlando, Florida, 36 years. Uh, but I, I'm at a place called Remedy in Knoxville. So like, I get my my Orlando, like, uh, I guess you would say fix by coming to like a somewhat big city, like the old Orlando, you know, when I was in Orlando as a kid, there was like a couple hundred thousand people in it. And now there's a couple million. (laughs) So so here in Knoxville, there's only a couple hundred thousand people. So I'm like, oh, this feels like home again. But the coffee is, it's called Remedy. And my guys here make some pretty dope espresso. Nice. They know, they know how I like it. So oh, I love it. It's good you stuff. got your little spot too. I love it. Yeah. It looks super nice there too. Good workstation. Yeah, it's a it's a cool spot. Are you like a nomad worker? Do you like to go to coffee stations to work or is that your I I, I definitely I'll work from the house, but I, I live on the side of a mountain, so I I occasionally don't have any connection. Mm. Well, even if I like use so I got like a Starlink just for that reason, you know, but even if I even if I'm like Using a Starlink if there's too much cloud coverage or, you know, whatever the case, I, I have problems. So I just kind of float down in town and hang out with the locals and end up in all kinds of places. And then I, I do a lot of traveling for work. And then my wife and I are full on just travel weirdos. So we do we got a camper van, you know, the whole nine yards. We're trying to live that life. So. You know, I'll I'll be like working in the middle of some state I've never heard of, and that most people can't pronounce in some city that people are like where every once in a while, and that's kind of like what feeds me and motivates me and keeps me excited and happy to work every day. <laughs> yeah, and then does that work well with the Starlink? Has it been proving good for you when you go to these uh, random places? I haven't used the Roam yet. I I own the Roam, but I haven't used the Roam yet for. Uh, hitting the road with a camper van that's on the docket for 2024 a yeah. lot actually we're, we're going to try to travel as much as we possibly can next year and just see like how well our boys do and how much we like it and but i mean we already do a lot of traveling and we have for the last it's about 17 years of our relationship like the first three years of our relationship were like kind of at home broke as a joke and not doing a whole lot of anything yeah but, uh, for the last 17 years, we've done a lot of traveling. So we're, we're trying to get back to that life after 2020, especially like they kind of cut us off from the international travel to an extent, but we're trying yeah. to like enjoy that locally in the same vein, if you will. So totally, I totally dig that. I mean, my wife and I were talking about this um, pre uh, lockdown, right? Like the uh, COVID pandemic, but um, we were trying to uh, travel internationally twice a year and then domestically twice a year. Um, more so because same as you, we were, we were, we were trying to make it in, in our profession. So we had no money, so we couldn't travel. And then as we started to get, you know, a little bit more established, we had kids and, uh, and then now we could travel and you had to make that decision. Do you not travel or travel? And we wanted to go travel with the kids. 
And then uh, we were thinking about like how wildly different each state is domestically. And so we I were like, you don't even really need to travel to another country because you could go to like Minnesota and it's like wildly different than Texas. And you can go to like Des Moines, Iowa. And it's just like, wait, what? It feels like other countries when you go to these other states sometimes, you know? You're you're spot on, bro. And it, it's like the culture, it's the the quaintness, it's the just the general history of that state as well, too. And like the little cities are are the best part too. I, I, I feel like too many people get sucked into the trap of like going to Orlando or going to Atlanta or going to Nashville and 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 they don't recognize that like there's a lot of really cool things to do and you can have a whole lot of fun in these smaller places, especially places that like challenge you to do something different. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like skydiving. You know, I'm just like yeah. I'm talking about like walking into a antique store that's been there for 110 years you know like that's there's like cool concepts around like just the way that people are living their lives how they're making money how they're thriving how they're happy you know and how they fulfill that happiness on a daily basis that we i don't know i feel like we just disconnected from as people far too much so i'm all about that life bro i right now we've i've done all i've done 49 of the 50 states i've been missing hawaii which oh, is crazy, right? Like every crazy. every American has been to Hawaii for some reason, right? But apparently not me. Yeah. But, but I do have a lot of friends there, so when I'm finally there, it's gonna be dope. But but I traveled all fifty states or forty nine states inland because I played in a band, <clears throat> and and so I did most of them during that time. And then my wife and I have done the ones that I never did, which are only a couple anyway. But but uh, in that time traveling with my band, I really like. Man, I would go to places and be like, yo, I gotta come back here. I gotta I gotta come back here and eat. I gotta come back here and hang. I gotta come back here and meet more people. I just I gotta come back here. And that that's kind of where the bug started. But you know, as an adult, I haven't changed that part of I really do like the the wonder of life a lot. It's awesome, man. And I'm assuming that that's kind of why you're bringing the kids along, right? With this camper idea? Yeah, the 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 reason we're bringing the kids along is is to Man, man, I really feel like <laughs> I feel like society kind of sucks these days. And <laughs> just being blunt, and yeah. I, I, I feel that we have created a culture of convenience, mm-hmm. and and that has dumbed people down to experiences and to risk and to to rewards that come with said risk, and ultimately like personal development. Like, who is out there personally developing themselves? You know, the only time that we get personal development is when we pay some, you know, LinkedIn guru like myself <laughs> to to come out, you know, for three days in a in some kind of boot camp style, you know, workshop. And and then we forget all about everything that that person taught us anyway. Like the the thing that I always admired about my father as an example is that he was just like always being better and getting better and doing it like in his own terms, on his own terms and and pursuing it on a daily basis and you know to me i just i've learned a lot differently about the world and the way that the world works from my father and from my mom as well too and and i really want to focus on not saying things like oh you know but my dad did these couple things i didn't like and i never want to do that and and i i mean i think every kid feels that way about their parents to some extent my dad was my best friend he's my hero my idol but of course like i got a couple things that i'm like Come on, Dad. Like, 
yeah. what was this about? But, you know, I, I also realized that that's my preference, my opinion, my experience. And so I'm trying to mold my kids not in a way where I make them something, but I'm trying to influence them in a way that they'll have choice when they're my age to say, well, I can be shackled to the world and the status quo and do things as they say, or I can live in ultimate freedom and I can live in happiness. And, and that, that to me is something we've gotten away from over the last 50, 60, 70 years, honestly. And, you know, instead we focused on get a job, work really hard, mm. retire at 65. Like, what is that? Like, yeah. I don't even understand that, dude. So, so yeah, I know like deeper answer to your little question, right? But like, no, that's, no, but that's why we're taking the kids out. <laughs> I love it, man. That's a really great answer, actually. And when did that hit you? I'm curious because that, that kind of hit me really late in life. I, I turned, uh, I think, 40 years old. It's like my midlife crisis. And I was like, wait, why am I working so hard again? Just to like try to save up enough to like live a decent, like an okay life for the rest of my life. And God forbid I live past 90 because there's no savings left on my 401k. This is a terrible life. What am I doing? And I just like completely checked myself and moved from California to Texas and uh, had like this whole epiphany like three or four years ago. But when did that hit you? When did you realize this? Yeah. So I, uh, I'll come back to, to being 27 years old, 26 years old. <clears throat> Uh, it was 2014 time frame and I was, was crushing it the last couple of years. I just like unleash the crack and as my <laughs> best friends used to say, and I was, I was just really thriving in sales and copier sales specifically. And, you know, on the outside end, people would look at me and be like, yo, this dude's got it all together. He's really successful. He's, he's doing a lot of great things. And I, and look, I, I mean, I was, but I struggled with depression at that point in my life, I was hiding it and masking it with supplementing it. I should say like saying, and you know, like I'll just be angry behind the scenes or, you know, like I'll get into physical altercations with people to feed that part of me so that I don't oh, wow. commit suicide or feel depressed. And, oh, wow. and then it got deeper. It was like, well, I'll supplement it with alcohol. I'll try drugs, see if that works. And, and a lot of people just didn't know what was going on. Not even my wife. And I became, in that darkness and in that numbness, I became a suicidal. And for the second time in my life, I I tried to commit suicide. I, I did as a young teenager uh, as well, too. My mom saved my life back then. And, and and this last time, you know, this this time that I had done it, 2014, it was divinity. More than anything that, that saved me, it was literally like, you can't leave, bro. That's literally what happened. And... <clears throat> It was an intense moment in my life, dude. And I, I as, as it should be and for anybody, but I, I decided not to take it and make it like a negative for myself. Uh, it exposed a lot of things for me, like traumas and abuses that I'd suffered from that I'd never really talked about outside of just like my mom and my dad and maybe a therapist once or twice. And, you know, I started to be more vocal about my growth and, and where I was in life. And, and bro, I had a hundred thousand dollars in my checking account you know when i when i literally tried to kill myself and oh my i gosh. so I, I sit back and i think about that and i'm like man it's crazy how much we lie to people about what happiness is and what fulfillment is and what life should be and and look, there's a lot of stuff that was going behind the scenes and there's a lot more to the story ultimately but but bottom line being that i realized that like bro work isn't gonna save me and, and that I had to die to myself and that part of me that thought that I, that I could like outwork my depression and find happiness somehow through, you know, like literal modern day slavery to money 
and and corporations and someone else's dream you know it's not even mine you know what i mean and so at at that state in my life bro it was like game on i'm gonna live and i remember my boss saying to me one time even he was like why do you travel so much he's like you should be working and saving that money and and getting to like 50 years old and doing then you can do whatever you want i was like Nah, dude. <laughs> but I shouldn't even be here right now, and because of that, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that for granted. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna focus on those things. Oh, like wow. I know I know how to make money. I know how to do that. Like I'm not worried about that. I'll figure that out anytime, any place, at any point in my life. But I don't know what what Knoxville, Tennessee looks like yet. You know, yeah. I don't know what some tiny little town in the middle of Ohio looks like yet or the culture of the baker that's there and her story and her grandmother's recipes. And I don't know those things. And that makes me happy. And that those experiences are what I want to, I want to seek out and thrive within. So, so I was really young. It's I've been about 11 years now that I've been just like figuring this out, living life in my own terms, bro. You know what I'm saying? But your your perspective (laughs) is wildly different than um, my perspective because you're looking at it from a point of like, I shouldn't even be here and I'm here experiencing it. So you're really dialing into those microscopic experiences and learnings and getting to know people and their, and their thoughts and their, and their, and their livelihood. Can I, can I, can I probe a little bit? Like, do you, can I ask a couple questions about like this experience that you went through? What, what happened? Like, so how did your wife react when she found out? How did she find out? And like, when did you share, like, when did it all kind of fall apart and everyone kind of knew? And then how old were your kids? So I didn't have kids yet. I I was, let's see, at this point, we were almost seven years married, six years married, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. I had like just a slow drip, basically, of uh, negativity. And, and I'd suffered from abuses early in my life that I hadn't fixed yet. Depression started around the time I was probably about nine or ten years old through some oh, of those wow. abuses that I suffered. And, and at... At 15 years old, like I said, I, I got to like a breaking point and I was just a kid and I tried to slip my wrists up and I didn't know what I was doing. So I basically just mangled myself for lack of a better term. And, and it, I didn't do like permanent damage and most of the scarring is gone even. Um, but you know, regardless, like that's where I was at. I was that sad, that depressed, didn't want to live anymore. And, and I was trying really hard to leave and my mom actually she came home from work early that day and saved me because I had to like not only like conf- be confronted by another person in that moment, but I also had to like confront my problem for the first time. And it was it was a saving moment in my life for sure. And and I, you know, look, I, I pursued healing and my parents helped me with that, too. But I think that we've got a lot of that healing backwards and the way that we, you know, we tell somebody like, yo, go get a therapist and that'll fix everything. That's not the case. You know, like, sure, a therapist is good without a doubt. But man, we put we put too much emphasis on like trusting other people with our own healing. You know, and I I needed to really like search within myself and I needed to make hard decisions. And I I was just a kid still, though. Right. So it's like, what decisions did you have to make, bro? And what I had to the decisions I had to make was like how I was going to let my traumas and abuses affect me for the rest of my life. Like that's what I had to figure out. And so by the time that I'm in my, my mid twenties and I'm, I'm suddenly, I just 
crushing life, bro. I mean, my wife and I were doing really well at the time as, as just the same, you know, that there was these things in the back of my head that were saying like, your wife doesn't love you Holy because shit. she doesn't, you know, do X, Y, or Z, you know, like, and I'm telling myself this, she's never saying this to my face. I'm not talking to her about it. I'm just like, so you were cycling, that. like your brain yeah, was bro. finding your, okay, got it. You were like it trying to like self-destruct. It sounds happy. like. It was happy, bro. And yeah. I think, here's the thing is, I think that most people, especially in relationships or marriages, like if it comes, whether it's like sex or whether it's like a belief that you might have, like that they don't, that just doesn't, like a lot of times we just ignore things. You know, we think like, oh, well, they're just different than us or, you know, like this is what marriage is like, you know, and, and, and at a very young age, bro, I found out that like, no, you got to talk a lot. You got to talk about things that are very uncomfortable. And you gotta talk a lot. You gotta talk often, man. I, and I don't have any problem admitting this. I've I've told plenty of people, right? But only about five years ago, I sat down with my wife and talked deeply about my sexual traumas that I've been through as a child, and and how they've affected me in my life, and how like pornography has played a part in that, and how I've had to conquer that as an adult, and. You know, and, and all the, the small struggles that go with that as well, too. Like, and as men, like, this is an embarrassing topic or it's, you know, mm -hmm. like if I'm an Andrew Tate person, you know, like, oh, it's just masculinity in the flesh. It's like there are so many different <laughs> toxic and just flat out wrong voices in society today that are telling men what they should be or shouldn't be. Mm hmm. And I, and for me, I had to figure these things out myself and like, man, my wife was the healing force the whole time, Amazing. but I ran from that. I didn't want to tell her these things. I didn't want to confront this stuff. And, you know, so it got to a dark place. I was, I would, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. I was like bloodthirsty for, for something that made me feel okay or like alive at all because I was so numb, bro, that I, I would... I'd make an $80,000 commission check after like one week's worth of work at my business. Cause I was really good and still am really good by the way at sales. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I, and I didn't even care. And it, cause like, again, like the money stopped affecting me and it was more or less like, am I liked by these people though? Am I loved by these people? Do I like them? Do I love them? You know, yeah. I started to really get human with it and it, and it caused a lot of darkness to, to be, to rise to the surface in that process. So like I sought out, um, I, I had a anger issue that I really tapped into at that point in my life. And yeah. it was an, it was an anger issue that was like behind the scenes. And it came from years of defending myself and defending other people that were helpless. Like I was always the guy in the neighborhood that if like, you know, there was a nerd or a weirdo getting picked on like Dale, who I was a jock, right? That's how I was labeled. I skateboarded. And nice. I played sports really well, too. I was very good at sports. So I was very athletic. And, and so people looked at me as like kind of a cool kid or like a popular kid. But like, yeah. you know, the nerd over here playing Pokemon cards is also my my like my best friend. Yeah. You know, and so when all the cool kids were picking on him, I I throw fists, you know, like because yeah. I, I wanted that person to live a happy and fulfilled life and know that they were cherished and that they were worth something. Right. So that turned into anger at that this dark stage in my life. And then. You know, other things arose in that. And, and really, like, I, any human is susceptible to the identity of supplementing happiness with a substance or an instance or a belief or a hobby that could be unhealthy for them. 
Right. Because like when it's unhealthy, usually it like makes you feel different. And that feeling of anything that's not numbness is very attractive, even if it's wrong and you know it's wrong. So that, you know, that's where I was, bro. And it was dark and it was intense. You know, I, I went to the office one morning, playing the whole thing out, wrote a suicide note, everything. I mean, my, this story is out there and it circulates. And and the reason I tell it though is because, and I, I just want young men and young women to know that are in the same type of like high pressure, transactional type sales roles, or even just like in general in their life feeling lost or broken. You don't have to feel that way. And that there's people out here like me that will go and revisit those things to help and even as hard as it is for me to do it to help because i really do believe that the only reason that i'm here today is because i have i've been called for something greater because i shouldn't be here is the bottom line and i've come to terms with like accepting that too because that's a hard thing to think about bro like what me you know like i'm worth something that's yeah. not easy to, to think yeah. And so I have to constantly remind myself of that too. But but my my my, my wife, my best friend, bro, she she's been instrumental. My kids, my best friends, right? They're instrumental. I got a five month old and a five year old just for context. Yeah. All right. So those Thanks are the things sharing, I yeah. latch to and just kind of like hang on. You does know, your five year old does your five year old know any of this or has an inkling or understanding of like because it's fairly recent, right? I mean, like you're talking like you you let your wife in. It sounds like, and then you had your first kid. So we, uh, we, we had our first kid in, in 2017, we got pregnant. He was born in 2018. So it was about four years later, oh, but my, it. my son has been through, like I have, I have had a, a third stint with suicidal ideation. I did it in, in 2021 and my son was around for the whole thing. And, and, but this time I was very vocal about it. I didn't hide nothing. I was like, yo, I'm in that place again. And I don't even know how I'm here. And I need healing and I need prayer. I need help. I need intervention. And that I sought it in 30 days, bro. I battled extraordinarily hard, but I found all the clarity I needed. And my son is instrumental in that dude, without a doubt. He's instrumental, like his laugh, his hug, his kiss, his eyes, his touch, like everything about how helped me tremendously during that time. And my wife as well, too. And then there was always kind of this void of like, we felt like a complete family, but that we were called for something more to some extent. And we were gifted another son just five months ago, six months ago, you know? So, so now the family feels very complete. Our move to Tennessee is, you know, part of that journey of darkness and depression and my struggles. And so we're pursuing a different type of life. We're not, I'm not going to sit in a doctor's office every day for the rest of my life, taking medication, you know, basically numbing and drowning my, my true self out to deal with something. I'm going to fight it face forward. Girl. I'm going to put my hands up and, and turn the other cheek in the process too. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good mindset. And I, I'm really, really impressed with your wife as well too, but it sounds like she was always there and ready and you just didn't, you just didn't let her in. If I can, if I can kind of talk yeah, more directly about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it sounds like from what you're saying, she, the moment you did let her in, she was, she was instrumental in kind of helping you understand the value and the clarity and, and helping you work through this stuff. Um, what does she do? If you don't mind me asking. 
That's the best part, bro. She's a she's a, a trained psychologist and a neuro, <laughs> and a neuro a neuropsychometrist by trade. Oh wow, in her profession. So she she's actually the person that helped me the best in my sales career to like understand personalities, habits, basic human characteristics and traits, basic human functions and communication, and so. So it's she it's armed you right? with the hard skills to be a good salesperson, <laughs> right? And like, and those same skills are just very human, you know. Is the thought? It's yeah. like they're very human, and so it, you know, ultimately, like those things that she taught me and that expertise that she had is also instrumental in me, like developing interpersonal skills and like self talk and worth and you know, and and that was sort of inadvertently done, right? Because I was just like reading her textbooks and like listening to her stories and asking like, well, what the heck? Like, so when someone's lying like that, what do you do? And, you know, so there was just, there was some really good moments in my life that, you know, I just never forget that like really helped me to think differently. But man, I'll tell you right now, like anybody out there that denies it, like the hardest person in the world to talk to, bro, is your wife. If you love her, if you're a man, because, oh. you know, in your head, you're always going to tell yourself, like, I'm better than this. And this means I failed. This means that she can't love me as like a provider or, you know, anything other than just being like somebody that sucks. And, and look like it, any man in any relationship, I should say as well, too, probably struggles with talking to their significant other to any capacity because it's like it's not inherent with and society does not tell us to go and open up about these things. It. it Recently, we talked more about things like mental health, but we still like we still talk about the surface of it. Yeah. We're like we're like, hey, take a mental health day. It's like you know what? But what does a mental health day look like? And what are you struggling with? Is it yeah. how dark is your mental health, your yeah. state of mental health in the first place? Is it is it just because you feel off because there's bad things happening in the world, or do you literally want to die and not live? And like you know, we we just skirt around those issues too much, and I think it makes it harder for men to be more transparent and open with their significant other. It's so much truth in that, man. And I think it's like one of the things that I'm like, um, you know, learning about myself as well. And hopefully in, in this show is like trying to talk to like, you know, more people that are trying to battle this kind of dichotomy of building a, you know, a new type of family in this modern age with, you know, building a really successful career in this modern age. But I'll tell you, even beyond the macro, just you even saying like struggling with talking to your wife, I literally had a fight or flight moment in my gut. And I'm like, yeah, I totally struggle with talking to my wife about anything, you know? You almost like, I was almost like, oh gosh, yeah, I struggle with that really badly, right? Like how do I, how do I share with her all these things that I'm actually feeling or thinking and, and I'm struggling with and what is she going to think about that? And is that even worth it? Is she going to ask more questions? Do I want to explain that? Is it going to make me look weak? Like, like a million, a million questions just like drilled into my brain like a screwdriver as soon as you said that. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh crap, that's absolutely accurate to me as well. And so obviously you're talking more in the macro, but even anecdotally, I, I totally feel that. I feel like there's a huge hardship for for men in general to do that, you know, and, and open up and talk about those things. And I'm not really sure where that fear comes from and that that's I mean, it's societal, maybe it's functional. I'm not really entirely sure, but it definitely is um, illogical uh, when you say it like that. It's very, very logical. This episode of The Girl Dad Show is brought to you by Owners Club. As a business owner myself, I know firsthand how challenging the journey can be. Whether it's having someone that I can ask a very tactical question to or just being able to share my big successes without guilt. Building a business is a lonely journey and it does not have to be. 
After building and coaching dozens of businesses to success, there is one insight that is so obvious and simple, yet hard to execute. And that is network equals net worth. And so if you're a growth-minded, supportive, smart, and hardworking business owner looking for a community of like-minded entrepreneurs to build with, look no further than the Owners Club. You will make lifelong friends and build your business that works for you. You can learn more online at owners.club. Yeah, I haven't really like figured it out either. I, I, I think it just comes from years of people wanting to to correct their problems and and tap into like more of like this ancestral or like lineage type of of out of of typical outcome like how did men deal with this kind of stuff in the roman times or yeah. jesus was walking the earth that's like we it's like we typically tend to go in those directions but right. what's interesting is like as you learn about that kind of like the history of of men and and how they dealt with their problems it's like it's nowhere to be found bro it's not yeah. even in the it, it's like wait a second it like really what we're telling people is that like men don't have this problem is what yeah. we're talking about here. I, so I think that that's the issue is that there is no like origin of, you know, Hey, what's, what's, what's going on and what's wrong. Matter of fact, I just saw a recently, I saw a, a, a TikTok that somebody sent to me that I thought was fantastic. It was, it's a picture. It's a, it's a picture of a dad and his son and they're sitting in kind of like a dreary looking room and, the dad's holding a cup and it says like world's best dad on it. And he looks sad and he's kind of sitting with his boy and, and you scroll over and there's a poem and it's written like from the boy to the dad. And it's like, dad, why are you sad? Basically. Hmm. And then it's like, I watch, it talks about like the grit of his father. He's like, my dad goes to the coal mines and like, you know, basically makes him feel like he's a superhero, right? Like he never gets hurt. He, stands in like the middle of an open flame and comes uh, back without burns yeah. and you know there's all these things that just make him it, he's like why are you so sad i don't understand why you're so sad you're you, you know mom gave you this cup that says the world's best dad what what's wrong and then it's it's the son older and he's he's now the father and he has a wife of his own and and he writes another poem and it's like all the things he's saying about his dad that he thought you know, made him untouchable and unbreakable. And he's, and he's realizing he's like, well, now I'm in the coal mine and I feel the heat and I realize that it's too much. And he's like, and now, I, and, and I got a, a mug that says world's best dad too, from a, a wife that told me that nobody loves me because I'm never here and I work too much. So how am I supposed to feel about that cup? You know, and, and you and you read this and like literally it ends with like, and so I'll stay silent and pass this down to the next. And I'm reading this just like, man, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the issue, right? Is that like we believe that somehow like as men that it is our role or our calling to just be quiet and just go like do what Seriously. needs to be done and do what's necessary. And. Like to some extent, like silence is okay, but silence on like when you have an opinion, like don't be afraid to be wrong. Don't be afraid to let other people be right. Don't be afraid to lead that way. But never is it okay when like the issues are that big for you to just be quiet about it. You know, like that's the problem. 
Yeah, we just accept it. That's what you're saying when you say society puts this kind of um, yeah. uh, infrastructure yeah. around us. We just kind of accepted it, and that's part of the society that you're talking about. It's very, very interesting, man. You're a philosopher. I love it. I, I, I freaking love it. Um, talk to me a little bit about um, the travel thing again. So is this the, the new idea is to, like, you have a lot of new perspectives. It sounds like you've opened and closed a lot of chapters in your book. And this new chapter, talk to me about it. What does success look like for you as it relates to, you know, traveling with your family and working and making, I'm, I'm assuming still making good money, being a great salesperson. But like, what does that look like? What is your kind of like goals now for the next next chapter of your book here? It's a great question. I am living it right now, right? So I, I started with, well, years ago, I started with saying, you know what? Uh, we don't need anything anymore. And this is what I mean by that is I, I realized and early in this conversation, I mentioned it. I realized at a certain point that, wow, I have like too much dependence on convenience. Like it's really easy for me to just like pop open my phone and be like, Hey, I need some pizza. <laughs> and it's really, and, and then I can walk right down the street to anything I want. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I like literally like I can go get coffee down the street. I can go get a burger down the street. I can go do yoga down the street. Like I lived in a place called College Park in Orlando. If anybody wants to look it up, it's like one of the oldest towns in Orlando. And it's where like the most elite and wealthiest and most established people are in this in the area. Um, and that slowly has changed over time. There's places like Claremont that you can buy like seven acres of land for the same price as you can buy a house, you know, like in college parks. So like, so people got smart obviously as well too, and maximize their dollar. Right. But I digress. The thought is, is that I realized like, this isn't even like a community anymore. It's just a, a big giant convenience is what I live in. And I started to realize like how lazy that makes me in a lot of different aspects of life. And so does this to people in general, in my opinion, but no, I just kind of like analyzed that side first and thought, well, what would I do if I couldn't like call a lift right now or mm -hmm. have some food delivered to me right now? Like, what would I do? And I started to realize like, man, we, we really don't realize how much these things are messing us up. But I have, I have, even though I'm the best with time management skills and like, I've lost those skills, right? Like that's how I see it at least, you know, like, Maybe I still have to some extent, especially now, right? But at the time, I started realizing, like, yeah, I don't have to worry so much about a lot of things that I used to because it's all right here at my fingertips. Like, I don't need to worry about it. And th But then I started saying to myself, like, is that what is that causing for me? Like, is it making me too dependent on others, on tech, on other people, on, you know, everything? And, and that dependency is what really started that process. So my wife and I, we decided in 2021, like, we just need a break. I'm, I'm starting to feel a little, in, you know, heavy around my depression. And I think we just need to get out, get on the road, go and travel, see what happens. And so that's where the journey begins. And we end up in, we did about six states, seven states, end up in New York, um, and not New York City either. We, we ended up in a place called Lansing. This is where my life changed. Yeah, um, it's right outside of Ithaca. It's about thirty minutes. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's yeah, that's pretty really much nothing there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have these cool spots like the Finger Lakes where you can go and 
pop into the wineries and get some good, you know, like fresh farm to table food here and there. But like, you have to commit to that. It's a 30 minute drive anywhere to get to like the first place, you know, and to get groceries, to get coffee, to get lunch, you know, it's 30 minutes. So, so being up there, what we learned was like, we got back to these ways of like being responsible with our time, being good stewards, doing everything in excellence. And, and, and just, we're looking at, at home in Orlando and going, man, this place really has been a blessing and changed us. We need to find a place like this. That's not New York for several reasons. One being the distance, like we wanted to get yeah. a little bit closer back to Florida because I'm from there and all my family's there. But we need a place like this that that can heal us like this, that takes us away from the conveniences and makes us commit to our lives differently. And so, bro, we sold it all. Everything. Homes, everything. Stuff. Like 90% of the stuff we owned. I call it stuff, right? Y'all call it couches and clothing and I call it <laughs> stuff. It's meaningless. You know, we just basically got rid of it, like literally. Wow. And, and man, it was freeing. It was so freeing. What a feeling, bro. I, I left a house, like, I left a home that's, that is, has a story too. It's not just like I left this stuff, right? My dad bought the house that I lived in in 1984. He built it to, to, to accommodate a family of four, which he had. He held on to it all the way to his, his dying breath, bro. And it was his last debt. And in 2017, I bought it. I said, I'm, I'm a, I'll take the house. I'm a put, I literally scribed my dad's initials and mine and my son's into the driveway. Even it was like, I got it from my dad. My son will get it from me and he'll pass it to his kid or he'll sell it and make a lot of money. We'll see what happens. (laughs) And, and that was my mindset. Like, and it was all legacy based. It was like, how do I honor my dad? How do I keep him, you know, in my life? And I realized how toxic that was too, bro, that I was trying to keep my dead father alive and not letting him rest and have peace. But instead I, I used it as a crutch and it became a burden on my heart, on my soul, on my life. And, and it became an excuse to stay in that place as well too. And I, and it was hard, bro, but I let it go. And in like the final day in that place was it's an experience I'll never forget. Like the whole whole life was in that home, except when I left in 2000 and, seven until 2017 when i bought it right so when i became an adult and left and then i my dad died and i decided to buy it right so i I watched my literal life like flash before my eyes that i had in that house when i left it and i felt you know a spiritual release and permission to go it was intense and and it was all decision-based, right? Like, ultimately, it's not just about, like, this idea of, like, oh, I sold the house and then my life flashed before my eyes. It was, like, why I'm leaving mm-hmm. and what I'm venturing out on. Like, I'm going to a place where I know nobody. I have no roots, right? I have, like, vacations up here with my mom and dad. That was about it. And and I was taking a big risk in doing so. And in the process of that, my wife and I also said, hey, let's buy a camper, man. Let's, like, let that be our asset. You're going to build a cabin up here too. Right now we're just renting, bro. Like I'm doing all the things that everybody says not to do because excuse my French, but F the world and all the things that the world tells us is normal or it is what we have to do. Yeah. Screw, screw that, bro. Like what about me and my happiness? You don't know me. You don't know my struggles. You can pretend like you do world, but you don't. 
And anything that manufactures is typically, from my experience, a lie in regards to like why it's good or why it's bad. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so we did we did that, and at this point, it's it's more or less like from a travel perspective with the family. It's like how do we teach our kids like life differently? How do we teach them like not to grow up in this nice, quaint little bubble with all these conveniences, but like show them homelessness, show them small towns where people work at hardware stores their whole life, show them the passion that those people also had too. like at the little restaurant around the corner. That's like third generation that does, you know, like $50,000 a year. But for some reason, these people keep them open, you know, mm -hmm. and keep doing them. Like, how do we help the kids to learn? you know, what, what it really looks like to live. And, and we, we believe that travel is the best way to do that and meeting strangers and going to all these cities. And so I know it's a long answer to that short question, bro, but that's the full scope of why we're doing what we're doing. And we're still like, honestly, bro, we're still getting into it, right? Like we, we get in the Honda pilot all the time. We converted the pilot to be able to travel with the dogs, with the oh, kids. Oh, nice. Nice. So we got a, you know, we got a, a rack on the top at the whole nine yards, right? So we, we travel in that constantly, but with the van, it's like, uh, we're still figuring that out ultimately. Like the van's dope. It's got a bathroom, a shower, all self-sustainable. Yeah. It runs off solar, but you know, we're still like getting to that side of life. Like next year's the start. Next year's the start. We're going to do like anywhere between three and four months, basically on the road with the Rome, with the, 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 Elon Musk's technology that I was yeah, on, yeah, Starlink. Yeah. 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 So it should be a good time, bro. But but we're we're literally still like in that transition of doing these things Figuring as I speak. Yeah. That's amazing. I love this I love this new chapter goal. I think it's a, a very, very unique perspective and in a lot of ways I'm um inspired and in a lot of ways I'm very validated. Um I I mean I grew up in San Francisco, so I kind of grew up in this like hyper uh, vortex of Silicon Valley and, and just kind of like tech, tech, tech and, and, and growth and growth. And, and then I moved into small town um, Texas uh, three years ago when I had my kind of breakdown. And um, I, I'm, I'm kind of living what you just said to a certain degree. I, and nothing's, nothing's close. Everything's 30 minutes away. We just got our first Starbucks like last year. And, uh, and everything is like inconvenient, right? And it's been like one of the best things for me. Um, it just slows everything down. And instead of like worrying about, you know, crazy stuff, my kids are now grabbing baskets and going in the backyard and picking up frogs and crickets. And it's just a different kind of like life. It's not necessarily better or worse, but it definitely has like changed my perspective and it's making me a lot happier. Uh, so I'm feeling a lot more validated hearing you talk, but I don't think I've gone far enough because I actually agree with almost everything you're saying. Like you just like did the uh, Mel Gibson freedom line in the uh, Braveheart movie there for me. And I'm like sitting here just like, yeah, F the world. We should totally be doing that. We should be thinking about the world like that. And it's so funny because you mentioned the thing about like everyone telling you to do the normal thing so that you have you know, the time and the ability when you're older to go do the things that you're happy with. But it's like nonsensical now. I mean, that doesn't make any sense anymore because everyone's, I mean, I don't know if you've heard this, but there's like this whole adage that our generation is kind of like the first generation that's going to have, you know, our parents live to about a hundred or, I mean, obviously, um, not all, not all, but, um, the reality is a lot of us are going to, um, be taking care of our parents now when we turn 50, 60. And so that's like a lot of my friends are already doing that. 
Like they're already starting to take care of their parents where um, you don't even get that, those golden years to go do that. And then the second thing is, is like with what money? It's not like it used to be where that money went so far and you could like, you know, have uh, this retirement and kind of do things. And now you're old and you're tired and it's harder to do things and it costs more to do things. And so you're going to miss out on everything in life. And you're just literally doing this exact thing that you're talking about. It's making me um, really, really like thoughtful about what I'm doing right now with my life. And I may just like buy a camper van as well and join you on this crusade. (laughs) We should do this. Yes, this is any it, time, man. man. We'll meet up any time. Yeah, any seriously. Time. I have um, I have two girls, four and six, um, so around the same age. Um, and um, it is, it's incredibly hard to like, like think about all the things that you're talking about, and you articulate it so well, and you're so thoughtful about it for obvious reasons. You've, you've, you've gone through a lot of um, uh, death and emotions and, and life has just literally smacked you around a lot, you know? And so it's kind of forced you to have these perspectives, but it's incredibly great to hear you talk about it so articulately and eloquently, because I, even though I haven't had those experiences, I feel everything you're saying, like it's deep in my heart and gut. And I, and I totally understand what you're saying. And I've never been able to express it the way you just talked about it. And, uh, it's quite beautiful, man. So thank you for, taking the time to share, um, and talk about it. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to do just that. So thank you for the platform to speak and tell my story. Yeah. Grateful. I love it. Uh, can I, can I, um, can I switch gears a little? Cause I do want to be yeah. conscious of your time. And, um, I do like to ask, uh, some, they, they seem very trivial now, but I would like to ask some of my rapid fire questions yeah, man. Um, for every guest. Um, and I, and I apologize for just the uh, triviality of it. Uh, but the, it's just something that I do for every guest. So I would love to still follow the, the, the thesis if that's okay. Of course. All right. So what advice, um, do you have for parents and soon to be parents? I only have one piece of advice I'd like to give to, to any, any form of a parent new, old, especially when they're asking me things like, how do I do this with my kids? How do I do that with my kids? I get the one piece of advice. And it's the one thing that I realized my dad did for me really well as I got older, which is to be the path of least resistance. There's a man named Dale Zawinski out there. The first time I actually ever like heard it turned like that was with him. But I remember when he said it, I was like, man, that's like exactly how my dad breathes me. Like, <laughs> I, went to, I went to my dad and said, hey, I'm not going to do I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to take on any of these scholarships. I'm not going to do sports. I'm going to play in a band right out of high school and I'm going to tour the world and get signed to a label. We're not signed yet, but we're going to be. Don't worry. <laughs> and I remember my dad just going, all right. There's like least resistance. The, yeah. the 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 fruit in that is that I could come to him and I could I could ask him things. Even if I knew that he didn't like agree with something, I wasn't afraid. And that's the number one advice I get to any parent anytime, any place, anywhere. Be the path of least resistance to your children. That's really good advice. Yeah. Um that's really, really good advice. What's the uh, most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself after becoming a parent? <laughs> I you know what's interesting is like I think people knew this about me, like how patient I am. I don't think I really truly knew it about myself until after I became a parent where I, <laughs> I would be like in the middle of a situation and go like, damn, you're patient. <laughs> you know, like, that's wild. 
I I, I kind of had an epiphany around it, and it's actually yeah. helped me to also realize how good I am at it, to be like more aware of it even. It might sound crazy, but but now I'm even more aware of it, so I, I have more patience in a lot of things. And in my sales walk, where that like transpires the most, it's not just like playing the long game, but like, let's just say I'm like in an interaction with a human and, and I just asked a question and they haven't answered it. I'll just be quiet. Or or <laughs> I put something out there and I don't like their answer. I'll just be quiet. And and, and eventually on the other side of the phone, hear a hello? <laughs> I'm here. I just was waiting for you to tell me what I asked. <laughs> you know, so I, I found that, that that patience piece like connects me with people a lot better as well, too. I would encourage anybody out there listening that's like, I'm not a patient person to like not say that about yourself and like instead mm. say, I, pers- I I desire to pursue patience yeah. because there's like a stoicness in patience that men and women can acquire for themselves that allows them to be a better leader and on all fronts, you know, change other people's lives, your patience will. Yeah. And then I just have to ask for selfish reasons. Does that actually work on the sales side? Does it? Does yeah. That, okay. Yeah. Crap. Okay. Cause I, then I definitely need to work on that cause I'm a terrible <laughs> salesperson. <laughs> and I think it's because I'm so impatient, you know? Uh, no I doubt. Get, yeah. I get super awkward. A lot of, uh, listen, so. the yeah. majority of humans are impatient. Yeah. And we, and like we talked about, like when everything is a convenience, it's hard not to be, you know, like anything but impatient. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so that's right. We all struggle with it, bro. Yeah, thanks for that. If you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would you tell yourself? Nothing. I would. I would be two reasons. One, like nobody takes advice about this kind of stuff in the first. Like, even if you're like, man, that's good advice, you're never gonna do it. You're never gonna remember it. You're never gonna try it. Like, <laughs> that's the truth. And because, like, we live our own lives. Like, we yeah. do what we want to do, no matter what. Even yeah. if. Even if we're paying somebody to, to, to tell us to do something different, still going to do it our way, you know? Oh, man, that's crazy. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell myself shit because I wouldn't listen <laughs> in the first place. But also because I think it's really important that, like, if I were to go back and stop myself from doing something, I think that's a travesty. I think it's really important that we have these failure moments. I think it's really important that we do things the wrong way, even if they're, they're inches from becoming detrimental because – as a person that literally should not be alive today because of my own actions and getting right to the very literal end and still being here today, I realize that in most cases in our lives, the things that we think are a big deal, they're not going to kill you. And, and because of that, they become some of the best learning moments in our lives because we never want to go back to those places and ultimately they can be fixed. And if you remember that and believe it, that you're never going to worry about the choices you're making and what you could have done different. Instead, you're going to be present in the moment, intentional in the moment. And what happens is going to teach you good or bad. Oh, I love it. That's cool, man. Um, all right. So let's switch gears a little bit to something a little bit more fun. Um, do you have a favorite book or a favorite uh, business book? It could be any book in your <laughs> case, because I'm actually curious. My favorite book is Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller. Uh, I find that most people haven't read it. Mm-mm. It actually brought my, my wife to Christ and into faith. And, and that wasn't the purpose of it. She just like read it and like became very religious and spiritual because of it. And it changed our relationship enormously. 
And that book is the first book that always comes to mind when I think about my favorite book. And I and honestly, the, what's funny is I don't read business books. I don't read sales books. I'll re- the only ones I read are by Stu Hynek. He's my favorite author. That guy gets me. He's very creative. Uh, he's very fun. He loves like wild zany marketing, which is what I'm all about. What the sales rebellion even is, my company. So I'll read his books in a day, but everybody else, man, a long time ago, I started reading their books and stopped reading their ideas and stopped letting someone else tell me how to do it and started figuring out how to do it myself. But I love a great science fiction novel and I love Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller. Is that the same Donald Miller as the story brand book? No kidding. Yeah. I had no idea he wrote that book. I'll have to go check it out. That's very, very he's got interesting. A, he's got a lot of books that people don't know about, honestly. Oh, really? <laughs> I only know two. He has more than two, huh? Oh, that's yep. really good to know. I do have a personal question before you go. Yeah, um, for sure. So I didn't even get to ask because I got so captivated by your story. What is it that you do? What is your, like, what do you actually, like, what's your business? So the Sales Rebellion, I spent 13 years selling copiers. And the Sales Rebellion is kind of the culmination of that where... I I wasn't your run-of-the-mill copier salesperson. Like I like dressed like this when I walked into billion-dollar firms and like wore hats that said the copier warrior on them because I I branded myself. So I had this whole personal brand perspective, and I started that movement. And and most of the circles that I was in, because this was 2010 when I began that part of my process, and I became very famous for this thing called the crumpled letter locally. I used to ball up a piece of paper and it had this message on it to like a CEO or a CFO that said, hey, you're probably wondering why this is all crumpled up. That for some of the sales and marketing to get us trash and you throw it away. So I made it easier to do that because I bet in the time. <laughs> and so that like, whole concept of like infusing humor, familiarity, but also like creativity and, and relevance into the way that we... We do a gimmick because I, I realized like it's kind of a lot of the ideas that were out there were kind of dumb. Like I'm going to send somebody a shoe and tell them now that I got a foot in the door. It's like it's almost like cheap. You know, like what's something? How could I like talk shit about myself even like to some extent and be like, what do you think? And and so it made me more relatable, more authentic. And I, I have hundreds of ideas like that that got me, you know, made me millions of dollars selling copiers and and I basically woke up in, in a corporate role, making seven figures. And my boss called me a cocksucker the day before. That same boss told me when I had my first son to come back to work, like like literally two days after he was born. Hey, I need you to come back to work. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, we checked on your vacation days anyway. And you, you were 1.6 hours from earning your vacation at this point, the days that you took. So I need you to just come back. And I was like, I got to get out of this place. Oh so it motivated me to do something on my own. And and the sales rebellion is literally birds from that. Like I, I exist to change the game in sales. We, we do things like put people over products, community over commissions. We believe in giving experiences instead of like mass dialing and pitching people. And, and that's what we do. We, we train, we develop, we do workshops. I do public speaking. I'm an author. I got two books. I got a kid's book. And then like a sales book that I don't read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A business a business book. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. That's amazing. So you teach sales? Yes. Oh gosh, I gotta take your class then. I gotta learn from you because I suck at sales. Thank you to learn. <laughs> amazing. Okay. To so bring us home. When you're not um uh building out this new life for your family and, and being a philosopher of the modern age, uh what does Dale do for fun? What's your downtime activities? 
Man, I, I tell you, like, I don't really have, I don't really have like drinks or downtown night downtime activities in my life like like my my kids and my wife would actually be here right now if we didn't have some stuff that we're doing later and my family some of my family is up on the mountain hanging out that are up from florida so like my family's always with me for the most part i'm always doing something and and like the things that that fill me up are them so if i'm like if they're sitting here to my left and we're working and i'm working i'm full bro i'm being filled up every second and so I just like for me, I just anything I do, if I incorporate my family, that's what that's what life is all about. So like simply put, something that 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 I crave is just like being in like a historic downtown where like 20 people are like period. And that's like all the shops, you know, mm. like there's like a person in each one. Nobody's even like really like hanging out. And I love walking down the sidewalk, looking back and seeing my son my youngest in the stroller, my wife pushing him and my oldest son holding my hand, skipping, right? Like just literally walking down the sidewalk, like enjoying the the old time feel, the scenery, the questioning, like what's this mural and how's this building? And in the conversations that come from that, like I'm a simple man. And it, and it literally is just like based around being with my family. If they're around me, bro, that's, that's what drives me and fuels me, and that's where I like to be. I love it. Hey, Dale, thank you so much for taking the time to be on my show. I, I'm, like, so inspired and moved by your story. I am so glad that we got to know each other on the show and didn't do any kind of pre-interview because this was a phenomenal experience for me. And um, I know you said that, you know, it's hard for people to listen to other people and make changes, but I, I think um, you may be wrong, man. I'm actually pretty darn inspired right now, and... I may mark this episode as a special one that I actually try to take notes from and learn from. So um, thank you again for being on the show. Yeah, bro. My pleasure. My honor. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll talk soon, brother. Thanks. Cheers. This episode of The Girl Dad Show is brought to you by you. We have been working very hard to bring you the best guests and content to the show and have been steadily growing month over month. And we're finally ready to start talking to businesses that want to partner with us to promote on our show. So if you know anyone that would be interested in having me promote their business on The Girl Dad Show, please email us at young at thegirldadshow.com. Thank you for your support and look forward to learning how to be a great parent together. 